Stand with me for the reading of God's Word, 2 Kings chapter 4. And that was not a trick camera editing. That's just the way I roll, throwing like that. And I just submit to you, if you can hit a stationary bucket about that big, you got a six-foot receiver that can go three or four feet either way, completions are going to come easy and frequently. <laughs> Bring a supper. All right, 2 Kings 4. If you're there, say amen. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version this morning. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that my husband feared the Lord. But the creditor is now come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. And she said, Your servant has nothing except a jar of oil. Now, don't let that jar confuse you. In the Hebrew, uh, it's a cruise. It's enough to anoint a person. That would be it. And Elisha said, go outside and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and don't just get a few of them. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he said, mama, there isn't any more. And then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the men of God, and he said, Now go sell and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Be careful of ministers, preachers, pastors that teach you formulas. God does not give us formulas in his word. By formula, I mean step one, step two, step three, and then God has to do step four. However, there are patterns in the word of God. We learn God's ways through his word. We can learn what to expect in a broad spectrum sense, and the patterns of God are consistent. God is a God of method, a God of order. Uh, a God that can be charted, not predicted, but charted. You can tell how the Lord responds, uh, how he responds to the poor, how he responded to the blind, how he responded to the lame, and how he responded to those with no one, to the curious man up in the tree. He said, I must come to your house. So we put ourselves in that place and know that God is no respecter of persons, and how he reacts to one is his nature. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. If you've seen how I respond, that's your pattern of what you can expect from the Father. I want to talk this morning, and it may not be applicable to everyone, but if not today, you can go back in your past and find it. And if the Lord tarries, you can wait and you will find it in your future. I want to speak to you by the grace of God about the desperate and their God. The desperate and their God. May I pray one more time for me? I know you don't mind. Lord, I just humble myself before you this morning. And today is one of those days I just, I can't believe that you let somebody like me get to do this. How I love your house, oh Lord. 
and I love your people, and I love your word, and I love the opportunity to speak. But I do not trust in my preparation or any gifts that you've given me to communicate. I lay them all at your feet, and I ask you to use me this morning for your glory. Anoint me, Lord, so that I might have clarity of mind, that I might have concise speech, and, Lord, that these words might be so weighted with your presence that they go right into the heart of your people, and we are forever changed. Open up our eyes that we might see wondrous things out of your word, God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. She lost her husband. They have bills that they cannot pay, and they're taking her children. That's desperate. In this day in which the scripture was written, women were not employable. Not that they weren't talented enough to be, but they were not employable. God's word is clear about debt. Owe no men nothing except to love. Which means as much as possible. It's just like as much as possible live at peace with all people. And when God provided this miracle, the first thing he did was say, pay your debts. Don't ever be a Christian that doesn't honor their creditors. But this credit was not, the money that she owed was not because she did rooms to go, no interest for the next 30 years. Just read the fine print, baby. 30 years means you pay on it for 30 years. No interest for 30 years. No payments for 30 years. Anyway, in biblical days, in this day and age in the Old Testament, the priests were taken care of by the offerings that were brought in, but not the prophets. The prophets were unwanted, unloved, unappreciated, and the only time you heard from them was in horrible times of a nation's disarray, really. And so there, except for generosity from those that were wealthy in Israel, they just did without. And it's obvious by this text that this woman's husband left her in debt, not because he'd spent foolishly, it's because they lived meagerly so that they might fulfill God's call on their life. And there's a difference in the two. There's a difference in the two. So I want to speak to you just a few moments on some specific points about desperate people and then show you how God responds to them. You don't just choose to be desperate. Now, of course, there are neurotics that everything is the worst thing that could ever happen. And that's a whole different class and a whole different people. But desperate people get so for specific reasons. They are no strangers to pain. When you see a desperate believer, it means that there is pain somewhere, uncontrollable, unsoothable. We can't go to the bottle like the world can. We can't go to the pharmacy like the world can just to make it better. Our own mind keeps us up in the physical pain of loss. When you bury your husband of 40 years or you bury your children, no child is supposed to die before the parents die. When the report comes back malignant and you're struggling with that, the pain eats away at the, uh, the natural side of the person. And in this lady's life, it was in the form of loss and sorrow. It's in the, there was pain in the form of perplexity. She told Elisha, she said, your servant, the Lord's servant. Why him? As a little boy, do you know what the one tool the devil used? Well, just one tool. So why does my godly daddy die? 
and boy up streets drunk daddy lives. You know, what, God, why him? Why her? Why this? Why us? And we know you take care of us. We're not complaining, but there are times in life where evil happens to the righteous and we don't have explanation, and that is a pain in and of itself. And if you can't just bury it, you must process it. You can't just act like it's not there. Pain in the form of isolation and loneliness. Pain in the forms of the opinions of others. You know there was somebody that said, serves them right, or somebody that said her husband was a false prophet. And isn't it just like the devil when you're at your lowest, then word comes to you from somebody else that makes you feel even worse. It's safe to say that this woman was disappointed disillusioned and despondent. And there was a suffocating pressure upon her life. What can I do? I've lost my husband and I'm, lo- I'm losing my children. And I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm trying to give this justice. What do you do if you're the woman and they're taking your babies for your debt? Don't, don't you go in and say, Lord, just kill me now. If you've ever loved me, kill me now. But listen, we're going to get to it in just a moment. Desperation creates in the life of the believer things that blessings will never touch. Desperation is a hollowing. It's a restructuring, like Kelly said. It's a strong hurricane winds that not only blows evil, but it blows good out. To where all you have left is your soul and God. Desperation is a purifier. And desperate people are no stranger to pain. As a matter of fact, if you know someone that's a believer and they're in a desperate situation, keep your mouth off of them. Until you've lived where they've lived and until you've buried what they've buried and, and until you've endured what that they've endured, keep your mouth off of them because you don't know. That was a good place to say amen right then. Desperate people. This woman lived in an undeserved place. Where we are many times has no connection to what we've done. Wasn't that the way it was in the Bible? What did this man do or his parents do that he was born blind? People always try to connect. I wonder why God killed her husband. Yes, there is a reaping for evil choices, but not every evil thing is the result of bad choices. Not every loss, not every uh, sorrow. A lot of it is because we live in this cursed world. In the same way most blessings are undeserved, so are most of our sorrows. And these undeserved places, like where she was, this situation was unforeseen. It was unannounced. They were unprepared for it. It was unavoidable. It was undeniable. It was unexplainable, but it was definitely transformational. And the first thing I want to bring across to you is God can get glory out of anything. There are things you learn on the road away from the Father's house, which is a horrible road. It's a road of sin, a road of rebellion, a road of arrogance, but it's a revelational road too. And God, only God, can take the most despondent person and create within them a change for the better based on horrible situation. Only God can do that. And well, that's not much comfort. It's the only comfort. 
If all I can do is cry, then I just wait till the tears stop back up and I can cry again. But when you cry unto God, there's a difference between crying in your beer and crying unto God. I'm grateful when I hit rock bottom, I don't turn on a country music song and sit by myself. Dear Lord, she's acting single and I'm drinking double. What you going to do? It's just mental illness set to music, people. I'm telling you. Just go in an insane asylum, get the words off the wall, and then hire a musician and put it to music. Now, don't spoil my joke. You, you know, these old rock songs from the 70s, uh, the Led Zeppelin and all that, if you play it backwards, there's, you know, go kill your grandmama, you know, put her in a mason jar, worship the devil. When you play country music back, you get your wife back, your car back, your dog back. Your health back, your hair back. You just get everything back that you lost on the ring. Sorry. And don't write me about your country music. I'm, I have a special folder for those letters. <laughs> okay. I said, why do you cut up? Because it's a heavy topic. You have to lighten it up. Now we're back to heavy again. So here you go. The desperate people are often confined and limited to what they can do. Limited. There are no options. There's no support that can help. They're limited because there's a lack of people that can identify with them unless your husband has died and unless you owe a credit to this amount of money and unless you've lost your children, no one can identify with you. But thank God when you have one. If you have one person that can identify with you. Let me give you the scenario. The woman's in the, uh, the birthing room. Husband's in there. He got his hat and shoes on, little little stretchy shoes on, and he looks like a clown. He's in there. He's been through Lamaze. He, kn he knows what to do. And she is experiencing pain. <laughs> if it were guys, we'd die. We'd just die. And he's watching the pain monitor. I don't know what it's called, but the contraction monitor, the pain monitor. And she has grabbed two pieces of sheets, and she has wrapped it up in an eight point not. And he goes, baby, here comes another one. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you ain't got to look at the screen, baby. I can tell you. You're of no help. And then this husband, the love of her life, she goes, would somebody take him out? <laughs> and he, I want to be here. I'm supposed to cut you. No, out, out, out. So the male doctor comes in and he's talking about all the things that he knows and he's educated, and she can find no relief until mama, sister, or a nurse who has had babies sits beside her and said, look at me. I know you feel like you're going to die, but you're not. I'm with you. This is normal. As a matter of fact, I think you've got two more sets of contractions, and that baby's coming. Are you ready? And he holds her hand. She's able to calm down. Now listen. Sometimes it can be a person that can soothe you just enough to make it through. And don't ever take that for granted because when they come, God has sent them. I thank the Lord for those people the Lord surrounded me with uh, that were no stranger to sorrow who had lost love and lost life and lived depressed and lived hopeless because they knew how to pray for John. Yeah. All right. They're limited by their lack of strength. They're limited by their lack of confidence. 
They're limited by the voices in their head and the voices of those around them. So desperate people are no strangers to pain. They often live in undeserved places and they're confined and limited to what they can do. But the good thing is desperate people pray desperate prayers. Mm, None of this, Brother Wood, would you pray? I I go to these ministers' gatherings. Y'all would not believe. You would not believe. Did you know people have preacher voices? No, like how I'm talking to you, that's my voice. But when they're in front of other preachers, they have a preacher voice. And I'm just a simple guy. I'm thinking when he gets up to pray and his voice changes, I'm like, who is that? (laughs) And my next thought is, oh, he's acting. Uh, Be careful if you're following somebody that's an actor. But anyway, Brother Wood, would you pray? Mm, Yes. Great God that lives in the uttermost parts of the north who ran his finger down the mountains and made brooks that ran into rivers and they swelled with fish. I'm like, time out. (laughs) Oh, that's an educate. Oh, that's one of those learn prayers or the prayer at SNS where you can flip it over and, you know, great God who provideth all bounty. And the kid's like, let's eat. Thank the Lord for the... Anyway, desperate prayers are not polished, but they are authentic. You don't see anybody fall off an ocean liner and say, would someone, while he's buttoning his top button, would somebody on the bow of the ship please throw me a line? Preachers were gathered one day and they were all deciding what is the most powerful posture of prayer. And one gentleman said, it is kneeling, preferably at an altar, low lights, fingers interlocked under the chin, and you pray. Ambient music helps as well. The next one said, absolutely not. It's walking in nature, in the woods, with no one around. You can can just hear your heart beat in your chest. That's the most powerful prayer you can pray. Another said, no, you have to have a shawl over your head. You face the north and you have to rock. That's the most powerful prayer. (laughs) Phone guy's over there installing a new line. And he goes, most powerful prayer I ever prayed. I was hanging upside down 45 feet from a power line. That prayer had something in there. (laughs) Now, I've made you laugh to tell you the truth. You have never heard in church the prayer that this woman prayed in private. Her soul come out. Her fears come out. Her emotion come out. I can't take another hit like this. Lord! I've lost my husband. If they take my babies, I need you. I need you. And desperate prayers grab the ear of God. They move the heart of God. And they open the hand of God. You need to know it. You need to know that God is greater than you. And if the cry of your children can move you, don't think God can stand cold-hearted and watch you in the worst of days. So whoever this is for this morning, you have the ear of God. You're moving the heart of God, and you will soon witness the hand of God. Mark it down that I told you. Mark it down. It ain't how you pray. It's not the form. It's the sincerity. Let me tell you something I learned as a a new dad. Kelly has an ear for the children that I don't have. Men, when we're sleeping, we just can't hear any stimuli that would cause us to get up. 
Don't blame us. God wired us that way. No, not really. What we do is we hear it and we look with one eye to see if you're getting up and we just lay there is what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. But the kids, our kids are so loud. Are your children loud all the time? Loud. And Elisha. And we, we, the girls went with grandma the other day. It was just him. And I said, Kelly, how, how quiet he is. And she said, well, he's not fighting to be heard. So, and, and y'all didn't tell me this either. I'm going to make a booklet one time of all the things y'all didn't tell me when I showed you our kids on the platform. And this is one of them. They get crazy late. It's like during the day, they're normal. And then when daddy comes home between five and eight, we lose our mind. We're just off the walls, jumping on furniture, holding on to the ceiling fan, spinning around, pulling everything out of the refrigerator. And you're like, what is going on? So anyway, Kelly and I try to, this is the funniest part. There are no conversations in marriage with children. You do not talk. You do, we have not finished a sentence in 11 months. Not a sentence. It's like double dutch. The kids are screaming. I go, Kelly, if I could just... And you're just waiting to get a sentence in. And mom... Uh, Lord, if they called daddy as much as they called mama... I, I, the other day, I was, I was reaching for cigarettes. I don't even smoke. I don't even smoke. No. And I get just like this, just nervous. But having said all that, I, reg I, I regress. Uh, Kelly told me one day, she goes, did you know you put the fake cigarette out on the pulpit? I said, Sorry, I didn't mean. Just put a mint, no one will know. Um, so anyway, so they're all screaming and I'm thinking, I said, Kelly, did you hear that? They're okay. It sounded like they cut a foot off. You know, and I'm like, put it on ice. It'll be all right. Put it on ice. And Kelly goes, that's not it. That's not it. And then something might not be as loud. And I'm just sitting there watching TV and she's, she's gone. And I said, what happened? You know, well, uh, they had Elisha's head in the hamper closing the lid on him. And... <laughs> now listen to me though. How did you know? She said, because they're my babies. And did you know when you're in company and you have to tone down your voice, the Lord can hear in the vibrato of your tone if you're really hurting. And God doesn't wait. when If we, being evil, move with speed, shall not the Lord God avenge those that cry unto them? I say he will answer speedily, although he bear long with them. What does that mean? That means that sometimes you think he should come, he should come, he should come, he should come. Why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming? But when he comes, it's just like that. We call them suddenlies. Me and Mama Sheila do. Suddenlies. Like suddenly there fell from heaven a mighty rushing wind. Suddenly. Desperate prayers are simple. They are specific they do not include suggestions, ideas, questions, or conditions. It's, Lord, help. Have mercy. Oh, God. And Elisha, Elisha didn't have to say, 
Oh, mama, guess what the girls have done? First, there's no long, it's just in the tonation. It's in the, 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 the level. It's, it, it reaches the mama's ears. It reaches the daddy's ears. And they know when their children are in distress. And I want you to know, because the devil has told you that God hadn't heard you. And he suggests that God hadn't heard you because he hasn't moved yet. Your Lord has heard you. He knows well. He knows the details. You don't have to update him. So for him to delay, there must be something in the delay worth more than the answer. That's it. What? What? Why? Well, John, I I can't believe that. May I submit it to you another way? The couple has a little boy who has deformity and weakness in his legs. And from six months on, The daddy has to do it because the mama can't take it. He takes him to physical therapy because the doctor said, if he doesn't take physical therapy, your boy will never walk and run and play with other children. And that man takes that little boy's legs and he bends them. And his little boy says, stop, daddy, stop, daddy. And he bends them and he goes, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, buddy. Sorry. I'm so sorry. And as he grows, it's less and less and less. And when the daddy sees that boy on the football field in high school and the memory of that is long gone, it wasn't the boy that paid the price, it was the father that paid the price. And your father wants you to know he's not ignoring you, he's working on things that for your future that will help you and you can't feel it now and you can't see it now because we're still children and he's the parent and he works everything together for our good. Period. Period. The desperate can never be counted out because they run to God. The greatest obstacle to the desperate can sometimes be their desperation. Their pain can blind them. Their unbelief can disqualify them. Their adversary can intimidate them. Their carnality can deceive them. Their friends and family can discourage them. Their lack of spiritual knowledge can weaken them. Their hopelessness can silence them. But if they run to God, see that word cried out to Elisha? Remember, in the Old Testament, prophets were in the place of God. They were not God. They didn't act as God. But the Bible said he met with his prophets and he spoke to them personally. And they could speak for God. So when she ran to Elisha, there was no Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. It was the prophet, not the king, the prophet. And she cried to him. Do you know what that word cry means in the original language? She shrieked unto him. In her great pain, she called out to him. She ran to God personally. Don't you let a preacher or a priest or a cardinal or a bishop or a pope or any religious figure tell you that they need to be between you and God. That's a lie. You go to God through the person of Jesus Christ. You come to God directly and personally. You wouldn't date second person. Why would you pray second person? And I sure don't need a dead saint praying for me. Just an idea. 
They run to God personally. Hey, they run to God exclusively. Not God and someone else. Not God and another God. Not God and a higher power. Not God in my manipulation. Just God and God alone. She ran to her God for guidance and she ran tenaciously. She ran to God because God knows. Because God cares enough to help. Because God has promised to help and God has more than enough power to help. Notice that she came to God even though seemingly God had failed her. Now, I don't know who this is for this morning, but this is going to be a specific point, not applicable to a lot of people, but you will be able to leave saying, today I heard the word of the Lord for my life. This is the same woman that doesn't understand why her husband died. And you know you have faith when you feel like God has failed you and you go back to him anyway. You're all I got, Lord. I may not understand. I may not have my questions answered. But I want you to know you're it for me. All my eggs are in your basket. You are the Lord. Your name is one. There's no other God before you or beside you. And what if God dialogued with her? Are you still hurt with me? Yeah. But I trust you. And I look to you. And this coming to Elisha, not a credit help bureau, she came to God for her need was the evidence. Desperate people know, man can't help me here. And please hear my heart on this. Don't add anything to it. I don't feel like my odds are increased by the number of prayer lists I get on. Ain't nothing wrong with getting on a prayer list. But our perspective is off, and I can prove it to you. So what if you're not popular? You can only get on three or four lists. What if you're an international evangelist and you travel all over the world? You send an email out, you're on a thousand prayer list. Well, now he's, he's on all the prayer lists, so he has better odds. Wrong! You come in the name, in the name of Jesus, simple. And whether 10,000 are praying for you or one, the odds are the same because God's will is going to be done either way. And I'm grateful for your prayer, but don't think I'm dependent on it. I, it's like that old lady. I love old people. Old people tell you the truth. Old people don't care. Mama, does, does my butt look big in this to you? Yes. It's about, yeah, like a semi. That's big. It's just it's big. Old people tell you the truth. Sorry. Can you delete that out on the, on the online? It's like the lady that stood for prayer one day and the pastor came down and said, how can I pray for you? She backed up and she said, I don't need you to do my praying for me. I want you to pray and ask God not to let me stop praying. I can do my own prayers. And there's a part of that though that says, thank you, pastor. But 99% of the time, I'm by myself. It's me and Jesus, and he has not failed me yet. Ben, if you would come, please. The desperate are expected by God to prepare and participate in the miracle to come. We prepare by taking an honest inventory of what we have. Elisha said, what do you have? 
and here's a sticking point for some of us. We are uninformed, misinformed, or we lie. We exaggerate. God wants an honest inventory of what you have. Because it's hard to pray correctly when you don't see your situation correctly. Elijah said, it, I'm it. I'm the last one that hasn't bowed a knee to a Baal. And God said, I got seven, what was it, 700 or 7,000? What was it? 7,000 that haven't bowed a knee to Baal. Oh, so what, Elijah, you're 7,000% wrong. Oh, okay. You see how that changes everything? Say, what do you have? In your desperate situation, don't say I don't have anything. What do you have? Well, Lord, I got my health. My boys love you. I've got my husband's legacy. Oh, we have reserved mercies from the Lord. You see, what do you have in the house? Now, this is a natural lesson, but the spiritual application. She said, I have just a little oil, oil being a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the spiritual. said, I just have a little of what we need. said, that's enough, that's enough. Just don't say you don't have nothing. God wants an honest, if you're desperate today, tell him the blessings you do have. Tell him what he's given. Thank him for the things you've had and you enjoy. Obey God in everything he asked you to do. He told this woman, uh, go borrow vessels, not a few. And she didn't even ask why. Why do you want to go borrow oil vessels when you don't have any oil? It's a spiritual principle here where desperate people should just should not only cry desperately but they should prepare desperately for the miracle watch the willingness to be vulnerable what if it doesn't work I ain't got time to figure I'm just going to obey the Lord I'm going to do what the Lord has asked me to do and trust him with the outcome and they prepare by shutting the door like Elijah pouring water on the sacrifice before God sent the fire. She shut the door and said, no man can help me now. Desperate people are willing to be shut in a room where only God can get to them. Nobody else. Shutting the door on the voice of the naysayers. Shutting the door on those with weak faith. Shutting the door on any help that doesn't come from the Lord. Shutting the door and making this moment a holy and intimate one. And those who look to God exclusively, who obey Him fully, will see His glory personally. Shut the door. I don't know who it's for. Shut the door on you and God. Lord, if you don't help, then I don't make it. All or nothing. But finally, this is a story of supply. Divine supply. Miraculous supply. Abundant supply. Supply in the midst of loss. Supply in the midst of pain. Supply in response to the prayer of faith. Supply in response to an exclusive approach to God and God alone. This type of supply. Listen, everything I've said leads to this. If you don't get this part, then it's just inspiration. This type of supply is only available to the empty. I call it the zero factor. Zero. Get in, 22,000 is too many. 
I can't deliver you with this many soldiers. He narrows it down to 300 and he says, that's still too many. Just put all your swords and shields on the ground and get little clay pots with a candle in it. That'll do it. I got to get you down to empty. Can these bones live, Jeremiah? There's a valley full of them. They're all dry. I got to get Israel down to empty to show my glory. Last week I told you, and the widow said to Elijah, as the Lord liveth, there's only enough meal to make one little piece of cake for my boy, and then we're both going to die. And he said, give it to me. What do you mean? John, what are you saying? Elijah said, you're not empty enough. You still got something. And God doesn't make you live empty. But you won't be all that you're supposed to be unless you visit empty. And she gave that prophet, she gave God the thing her little boy craved the most, a piece of food. And God said, oh, I got you right where I want you. Now watch. Go borrow oil vessels. For what? Just go borrow them, go borrow them. So her and her sons, can we borrow an empty vessels? Why were there so many empty vessels? It's a famine. There's a drought. The olive trees aren't growing. They're not producing the oil they're supposed to. You know what the Lord was saying? I've been waiting all morning to tell you this. You know what the Lord was saying? This house ain't empty enough. I know it sounds cruel, but she's not empty enough. And they filled her house with emptiness. And God said, are we full? Shut the door. And she took that little toothpaste-sized flask and began to pour. There's no record of them saying anything because when the Lord answers desperate people, there's nothing you can say. And they picked the pots up and they pulled them off to the side and pulled them off to the side. And she said, bring me another one. And they said, that's it, Mama, there's no more. And it stopped. What if... What if the boys and the woman would have went to their neighbors? What if, just what if that they had faith enough to say, what will you sell me all the pots that have a little bit of oil in it for me? I'll pay you whatever you Can you imagine instead of pots, if they'd have come up with those green Herbie Kirby's, you know, uh, called in for a, a dumpster to be brought, something, line it with plastic. She said, not yet, not yet, Lord, not yet. Some of us are living on less supply because we fought emptiness so long. What if she would have filled the yard full of pots? I'm asking you, what would have happened? As long as there was emptiness, there was pouring. So I'm speaking to you about the natural and the spiritual. Blessed are those that are empty, they're hungry and thirst after righteousness because God will be filled. What Kelly said was right in line with the Spirit. How much capacity do you have? We won't even let God dip us below comfort, much less emptiness. Empty people see the hand of God. There's a part to my babies that you don't understand. (laughs) 
I wasn't the one that longed for him. It was Kelly. I didn't even know I wanted it. <laughs> but the beauty of it is I'm sterile. Do you understand? <laughs> There's nothing there. And it, 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 whether it's a prayer or just a void, God is drawn to empty people. So don't fix it. Get it out. Say, there's nothing left but you, Lord. I ain't got it. You're it for me. And that emptiness is so powerful. Not only did it meet her need, he said, now, go pay all your creditors. So now I'm free too. Now I get to live on the rest. So I'm paid up. I'm free of worry. Not because I got oil in the house because I got the God that fills the barrels. And he said, now you get to live. Everybody else is worried. Everybody else is scheming. Everybody else is frantic. Everybody else is scurrying. Live on the rest. Overnight, instantaneously, she went from I'm losing everything to this famine ain't got no power over me. Instantly. 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 Would you bow your heads with me? This is not one for people to come to the altar because it's very personal. It's very private. I feel the Lord in my heart that the part for some of you was, you're not empty enough. Can I go a little bit deeper? Can I, can I go just a little deeper? Like the little boy, can I move your legs on the table a little bit more? Can you, do you trust me here? Do you trust me here? I can fill your barrels anytime I want to. But I need to do something so great in your life that the result is not the oil, but it's the trust. The trust. So you'll have in your testimony, remember that time the Lord did that. And you'll be able to encourage and help others. Go get some vessels, not a few. Would you stand with me this morning? The application is wide across a message like this. But there's some of you, this is your assignment. Your capacity for God's best for you is limited by your expectancy what if she'd have filled her neighbor's yards up with pots the oil would have flowed if we're going to be desperate let's milk it for everything God has for us what, Lord, and that's why I will never apologize to anybody else for any blessing in my life. Because you don't know the road that got me to this place. And the same Lord that taketh away, give it. So I pray over you today that you would prepare for divine supply, that you would prepare for true uh, salvation, true forgiveness, true reconciliation, 
true deliverance, true freedom, and that this momentary affliction would work in you a far more eternal weight of glory. That you would be closer to the Lord than ever before. And you would have in your history moments behind shut doors that are even too precious to tell. Father, what a wonderful God you are. What a gracious God you are. And I thank you that your ears are open to the cry of the desperate. They have been heard. We have called. And the answer is on the way. We believe it today, God, by faith. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.